Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path after party number 41. Woohoo! 41. Ooh. Oh, man. We're, big numbers. We're getting up there. I know. 41's really not that high, but you know. I mean, no. No, it's not really that high, but like it is covering high number episodes. The highest we've ever recorded. Wow. Indeed, at this very moment. <laughs> All right. Jokes. So we have had some interesting things happening in the last couple of episodes. Uh, so lots these of sass. will cover l- lots of sass, yes. So this cover covered episodes 121, 122, and 123. So in 121, uh, that's when we found the journal from Lady Sophronia. Which, anytime I hear that name, though, I can't help but think of the book that Jessica bought me for my birthday, Mm. Etiquette and Espionage, because it's the main character's name in that as well. True. That's Um, where that name came from in my brain. Oh, there you go. Yes. After we found the journal, we also found the Scorched Obelisk, and we met the Moftet. So that's when we learned that the the Moftet were driven away from the Sightless Sphinx, and they tried to go to the the shrine of Sekhmet and uh, encountered some bad uh, boys some obstacles uh, one the could cult. say in the no, form of the tim curry ifrit oh that's tim right Cur- no, the, tim the curry is rovagug he can't also be ifrit yeah he can't be both he's a man well, of many talents. Got, he is the, the voice range. yes but the look well i guess let's talk about 121 and uh, uh <laughs> rick's uh, growly head of moftet Arehu, Arehu, who we keep thinking is a Treyu, but this is not the never-ending story because it will have an end eventually. One way or another. That's what we assume. Yes. Maybe it doesn't. I liked him. He was cool. He was a little grouchy man. Yeah. And there there was hinting sure. of, of a betrayal. That was in the next episode, I think. I know. But it makes me wonder, like, if it was, it was his in, brother. Like, he was his brother. we got a Scar Mufasa thing going on. Oh, oh. No. I actually think it's his son. No, it's thematic through this adventure path, right? We have the the we have Hakatep and his brother. I mean, that's a good. And point, then we actually. have this Moftet, maybe his brother. Maybe Andres never brothers. told you about the brother that he had to kill. He had brothers, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah, but that brother didn't like betray him. We don't know. We don't know his life. I don't think anyway. Heather's yeah, yours didn't share much. No. <laughs> he definitely had to scar his brother, like throw him off a cliff into the wildebeest. Claws across the side of the face thing, and then you show up and he has the evil brother that has all the scars. <laughs> Played by Jeremy Irons. Heck yeah. Of course. Oh, man. <laughs> Another Irons great, great import. Long live the Pharaoh. And he throws him <laughs> off a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> but we made a deal yeah. with Arayu to uh, clear out the shrine of Sekhmet. Mm-hmm. In exchange for their help, I guess their help. I mean, I don't remember gonna if they said they were going to join us. To the us. Yeah, they'll take us there. I don't know if they said they were going to fight with us. I don't imagine they will, but maybe maybe they'll get into it and help no, us that's out. Fine. I, don't know. I will say that there was there was a moment where Arehu Arehu was asking Sudi if he like followed Sekhmet or whatever, and I was like, convert Sudi, follow the deity of your of your heritage. Uh, but Sudi didn't, of course. Because, uh, like, Sudi, the problem with the whole Sekhmet thing is Sudi doesn't really have, like, a legitimate connection to Sekhmet other than the stone in his forehead, you know? So, like. That's a real intense connection. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but it's like. I mean, you can be a living monolith and not follow Sekhmet. 
Like, it's not required. I just feel like you might be on a little baby arc to be, like, the chosen of Sekhmet sent to redeem the cat folk. Uh, I mean, that's totally probably a thing, but, like, I feel like until he goes to, like, his ancestral home and, like, sees all the history, like, the the whole, like, you know, your people followed Sekhmet thing is, like, a, oh, cool, that's a nice, like, uh, historical fact, but it, like, doesn't have a meaning to him. We are in a temple of Sekhmet, so maybe you'll get like a... A feeling. A calling or something. Get a vibe. Yeah. And then he'll find Sagira's post-it. Um. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that's back in the Black Fane. We haven't gone there yet. Yeah. It is the interesting thing, though, that while it may be important heritage-wise and to his people and all the rest of that, like, Phrasma has been important to Sudi personally. Like, Phrasma pulled him out of the gutters, basically, you know, the church did, and put him back on the right path and gave him his life direction and structure and all the rest of that. So, it'll be interesting to see. Yep. Why not both? Whether or not he turns his back. It's a little weird to do both when it's like, I am the Lady of Slaughter's chosen hand, and also I like Phrasma pretty well, which is, you know, about having, like, dying in your appointed times. When you're slaughtered, that's your time. I mean, possibly. Yep. I do want to mention, because Rachel mentioned this in passing, but I do want to give a shout out to uh, Amber E. Scott, who wrote this book. Because it is very rare that when I am reading the description of a character, uh, as I was for Rayu, that uh, it talks about how, you know, Rayu is an aged Moftet, his hair is white, his fur is streaked with gray, his winged feathers are tipped with white, but still carries himself with an inner strength. Like, that's the usual stuff that I get for, like, here's a visual representation for the players. It was uh, a little bit later on where it says, Rayu has the habit of growling softly when he speaks and thinks, a trait that can often be off-putting to those he negotiates with. And I loved that they included that characterization, like that kind of, that suggestion for the game master to add an extra level of character to him. Yeah, you don't usually get, like, tics or, or, you know, mannerisms or anything like that. Go Amber E. Scott. yeah. Well, uh, he did send us along with his daughter, though, Rahi. Sure. Um, because then in episode 122, then we set off to the shrine of Sekhmet, uh, finding a dead Girtaliblu on the way. I think I'm saying that correctly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no one. I mean, it's a hard word to say, to be we, fair. We've had at least three of our listeners write in with their suggestions on how to say it. And I will say that all three of them were different. Yeah. Mostly it's mostly oh, it's no. where you put the B. Because some people say it's Gear Teb Lilu, which is how I say it, where you put the B with the T A. But some people believe it's Gear Ta Blilu. Gear Ta Blilu. Where you put the B with the latter syllables. It's, I don't know, it's some Lovecraftian unpronounceable name. Paizo needs to cl- <laughs> include like pronunciation keys in their books. Yeah. yeah. Especially for words like that. That's a, that's a tough one. Maybe the Gear Teb Lilu that. Tab sound is supposed to be like a click that they do with their pinchers in the middle of saying the word. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be interesting. Well, we... <laughs> like, uh, thing is Zoidberg. We caught up with Rahi in that episode, kind of uh, strategized a little bit, and decided that we were just going to teleport into the middle and... Dimension door. Sorry. Dimension door into the middle where we were promptly dropped into a small pond. <laughs> it was awesome. I I appreciate that that it's just like like I remember Rick specifically being like you want to be in the center of the camp and and Jess was like yeah in the center of the camp and like I don't I don't think we really caught it but I could tell that Rick was pleased. <laughs> he, he had that grin. Masika <laughs> was happy. She was like hey okay. 
Yeah, but then when the electricity started out. crackling, it was like, oh crap, get out of the water. It's like, you know, when you. Yeah, it's not so when nice. When it starts thundering and they kick you out of the pool in the summertime. Oh, I thought you were going to say when it starts raining in uh, Breath of the Wild. And you're like, oh, unequip my sword. Oh, yeah. No, I, I was going for real <laughs> yep. life. And run. You know? Also, in real life, you shouldn't swim during a rainstorm. Well, rain is fine. It's when you hear the thunder. That's true. But I'm kind of curious. Like, I feel like, and you guys can debate this with me, but uh, I feel like you guys have gotten a little bit reckless recently. Uh, yeah, I, I could agree like, with that. I, I felt like it was kind of picking up for a little bit, and then you had the whole callback fight, and then after that, every you you all got very paranoid and very cautious going into every encounter. And then if I kind of feel like recently, since the beginning of this book, maybe it's the high of getting into a new book, but it feels like you guys are, are rushing headlong a little bit more. I don't know if that's you feel more I confident feel like, because no, your characters are higher like in level. This, this instance, it was one of those we had intelligence on the site and it was one of those, hey, there's three of those things. Let's just teleport into the courtyard and get a surprise attack. I don't think it was really being reckless. We just weren't expecting that. Yeah, dragon. we were really well prepared. Yeah, we handled them real efficiently. Yeah, I mean, I, I felt the spell preparation was fine, but it just, yeah. It just felt, it feels like the last uh, last few fights, you guys have been kind of rushing into things. I don't think we would have done it if we didn't have the Moff Tets and, like, info. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah if we were going not. in blind, it would have been a yeah. totally different thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you could have sent in uh, Narmer again. Yeah, no, no Narmer is not allowed to. to go on long-distance <laughs> reconnaissance anymore. There's the truth. He really wants an armor to be used as scouting more so he can get eaten by electricity <laughs> dragons. He is vulnerable to electricity. Do you have any idea what the fans would do yeah. if something terrible happened in armor? Revolt. There would be a there riot. There would definitely be a revolt. <laughs> a, a calm, polite one. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. I think the thing for me with like Sudi is like as soon as I got Righteous Might, um, when I'm big, I have a 30% immunity to criticals and sneak attacks. Like, Sudi's feeling pretty good now. Like, it's it's increasingly harder to damage him. So, you know, I, I'm feeling more confident in Sudi. Like, I guess maybe my confidence in Sudi is coming across as Sudi being more confident and just going And I don't stuff. think we're going to teleport into the middle of the Sightless Sphinx. We're going to take, you know. I'd be really yeah, interested I, if you did that. No, <laughs> no we're definitely not just, doing that. Like I said, I don't feel like we're being any more reckless. Um they were going to see us coming if we tried to sneak up on it. We would have to have a light source to do it at night, which means they would have seen us coming. So, I mean, might as well just jump on in. So what I'm getting from it is that it's confidence. At the very it least from strategic. Jordan, that it's confidence. No, it was strategic because we had the intel. Granted, it probably would have been better if we had a little bit more intel. Uh, but I think we were convinced we had enough to go in on this because the, the, the building wasn't very big. So yeah, it turns out the Moftet attacked and everything, and they're like, "We should really hire a security company." And they you know go out and find you know this dragon <laughs> with the you know clipboard. He's like, "Have you have you considered Desert Drake Security Company?" <laughs> yeah, but then he was like, "Yeah, I'm out." <laughs> yeah, he did. He well, did to go be away. fair, we had messed him up pretty good. He was, well, at, he was at one um, hit point actually. Yeah, that brings us wow. to episode 123, where we actually uh, begin the fight against the Drake and the Afrit. Um, I think the best part of that episode, honestly, was the fact that you put the Afrit in an ice prison, not once, uh, yeah. but twice. I <laughs> ended the first episode with an ice prison, and then that guy got out, and I was like, I have another ice prison. 
icy prison again. And he didn't get to do anything. He didn't get to move. He didn't get to talk to his friend. It was yes. awesome. I felt a little bad. I was rolling a very little, poorly little, for him. A tiny baby bit bad. <laughs> I was actually rolling pretty poorly for the but, dragon, too. I, I was going to say that Drake was actually surprisingly effective. I thought he was going to hit me a lot more. Um than he was, but uh, I was actually rolling surprisingly well for you know my dice luck. It's just that mischance was throwing me off, or else he might have actually gone. Well, down. unfortunately, he. I uh, felt bad that I deafened you, but it didn't seem to do much, so you were fine. <laughs> Justification, right there. <laughs> I was just trying to help, but then I also wish you all I could see, see the look on Jordan's face right now, and she's like, I am "So, <laughs> I'm just." The frustration that I had was. Is the way that she went to do it? I I was. She said something about like thirty feet, and I was like, "Wait, shout sixty feet." <laughs> See, uh, now all I hear in my head is the vindicated song. You know, vindicated. I am selfish. I am wrong. I am right. I swear, I'm right. Swear, I knew it all along. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that is, you know, Hollis. <laughs> well, well, dashboard confessional for you. Yeah. Uh, it's thirty feet. Oh, is it thirty feet? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was, I was like just in You're the cone of cold. I know. That's why. That's why she, yeah, I, I didn't cast Cone of Cold because I couldn't do it without hitting someone. But I was like, well, to be fair, Hollis would take that game. Jordan would have probably been happier if you cast Cone of Cold because his reflex saves are better and he has a face. That's why. That's yeah. why. That's why I asked her, and I was like, "That's a fort save, right?" And she's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Uh oh, I can't." <laughs> you just- are a living monolith. Your fort saves are exponentially better than mine. Like you have good fort saves. Technically, I have all good saves. Yeah. So like, don't complain at me because it wasn't reflex. You have good fort saves too. But I could. I could potentially <laughs> save for nothing. I mean, to be fair, I think. Narmer probably has better fortitude saves than the wizard. Actually, no, actually, I think Hollis has surprisingly good fortitude saves, but I can't remember. Mine's a six. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good for a wizard. <laughs> it's because I, I have a plus one con and then I I uh, have a cloak or whatever. Well, yeah. I guess it's a jacket, a duster, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, like I said, the frustrating thing for me was that the way that she did it hit me. But there was an option where she could have just hit the Drake, but I because couldn't we see. couldn't see it, it you yeah. you have no way of knowing. So yep. really, Rick did that. That's fair. I am vindicated. Yeah. I am wrong. I am right. I swear I'm right. But uh, <laughs> I will say I did the most damage to Sudi. I did more damage to Sudi than the Drake, right? Uh, I think <laughs> yeah. I think you actually did. I think he hit me like two or three times, but like so really wasn't hitting all that much. So interesting thing with that Drake is. Well, I mean, interesting thing with that fight was that we had like the overlapping difficult terrain uh-huh. and can't see anything effects going yeah. on all over the place. So we we this let me let me let me put this down here. We have a circle of sandstorm overlapping slightly with a circle of icy whatever overlapping with a circle that's a fire ring. And Hollis yeah. was in the middle. Yeah, because and I, it was a it was a it was a Venn diagram, y'all. Yeah, like, I fell into weird. a burning ring of fire. But the uh, it was weird. The interesting thing I found as far as that Drake was concerned was uh, first off, I didn't even get to use its cool tail slap ability. You tried. I tried a couple of times uh, because it can bull rush with a tail slap to knock people back 10 feet. Oh, wow. That would have really messed me up. Well, and that was part of the reason why it went for that before it fled from Sudi, because it was going to knock Sudi back and then fly away to get out of Sudi's range. But uh, yeah, to to be fair, he would have had to hit a forty because I have a bonus against bull rushes. Wow, it might be doable. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say when I'm big drag. and you try to bull rush me, I'm not moving. I'm Captain America. You move. But there was uh, <laughs> there was something that I mentioned during that episode where I think Jessica got a little confused 
where I asked specifically whether or not Hollis was standing up to walk out or swimming out. Oh, yeah, that was the water. Well, it's because the Desert Drake does not actually have blindsight. It has tremor sense. Oh. So the moment your feet hit the hit the sand, even under the water, it could sense you and could make the attack of opportunity. But it couldn't t- make attacks of opportunity against Masika because she was swimming. So it was actually well, unaware Hollis of Masika. Tried, <laughs> the second Hollis tried to swim with her zero swim, she's not going to go anywhere, and I needed to go somewhere. Yeah, we but need I just, more I found fights that as a... where Masika can just swim around, because that was real easy. I'm just going <laughs> to swim over here and do this. Oh, wait, nope, duck back under the water, swim over here, do this thing. You played her in the wrong thing if you wanted swimming. <laughs> yeah, this is not the adventure path for swimming. I know, but it was fun. I gave all of you a uh, it's been a long time now since that came up but uh, you got the prophecies from oh yeah there's supposed to be a water temple or something a water tomb yeah there was was a tomb of water tomb of fire tomb of earth tomb of air thing so uh, maybe it'll come up again wait we're summoning the fifth element yeah maybe either that or you're having to get all the pieces together to what are are they the emblems I can't remember what it was in N64 Ocarina of Time um, the tokens the gems, yeah. Gems, that was what, yeah, the yeah, gems, you had to get all yeah. the gems. Oh. And then then it was sage tokens when you were an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was an interesting little desert drink fight. I had a lot of fun with that. And the Ifrit were also there, but they fun. didn't really do much anything. So did the Ifrit just bring him on after the Moftet attacked, or was he just not there when the Moftet attacked the first time? He, uh, he like just wasn't the there hill. the Moftet, when the Moftet attacked the first See, time. See, and he's not dead, so it makes me nervous about going back and telling the Moftet, yeah, it's fine to go over there, because what if the Drake has come back? Because <laughs> we're not well, staying not, there. They're not slouches. I think one Drake they could probably deal with. It's the fact that it's a bunch of Drakes and a bunch of Ifrit, which usually are quicken scorching ray with three rays is a is a, a heck of a an opening volley. It's just that we had prepared. Yeah, we had all the fire resistiness. Yeah, which, which they don't have probably the ability to do. And on once the scale again, we do. Being an abjurer is my favorite thing in the whole world. I really love energy absorption so much. I'm kind of curious. <laughs> it's like, been really useful. How much energy absorption do you have left? Because you're absorbing five. a lot. <laughs> I was about to say. I have five left. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it it's saves a, you from a lot of damage, but it's three times my level per day. Okay. So I have five left. So it saved you 25 hit points worth of damage. So that's pretty good. Yep. Yeah. Well, shoot, and her resist energy kept me from getting charred to a crisp in that little ring of fire. So. Yep. Oh, yeah. Abjuras. And then I got to use my vanish in combat for once. That was pretty cool. That was fun. That was was cool. And then he tried to move and you were just like, nope, stand still. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That was super cool. I just didn't want that falchion to come swing at Hollis because Jessica has bad luck. And that would have been a critical and I might have died. It's possible. I mean, I had 52 hit points at the time, so I don't know if I would have died, died, but maybe. Got a 15% chance to critical, so. And the, the only other, or the only PC death we have so far is because of a falchion, so. It's fair. This is a large size falchion. Yeah, that's <laughs> even like, worse. Hey, scary. Oh, no. That was smart of him to try to get big to get out of the ice prison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, Rick's luck was not, not with him to last night because he failed. <laughs> I mean, it was a 25 DC, which isn't isn't easy. No, but they do have a, I think, a pretty hefty strength. They have a natural 23 there... strength. Yeah. So that's like a plus six or a plus seven. Seven. No, uh, plus seven. Seven. I think. Yeah. yeah. 
that's that's a plus six. But then if they enlarge themselves, it becomes a plus eight. So oh. they aren't slouches. No, they're big and muscly like Tim Curry. And while they actually, what? while he what? was actually from, from Legend, when he's the big red guy, he's like super muscly. Yeah, yeah you know, Tim. We can't Tim double Curry cast now people. Is not. You stop it, shush. I was also going to mention that uh, the guy up there wasn't doing nothing, by the way, uh, oh, yeah? because uh, yeah, the Afrit uh, are telepathic. Oh, okay. so oh, okay. he was doing a lot of like cool. get out of here. God, it hurts. <laughs> I'm so chilly. Well, Get out here fine. and kill this elf. <laughs> he can yell all he wants. Yep. In people's minds. <laughs> Poor guy. But yeah, you eventually managed to, to succeed in that fight. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see. Because I think uh, we did find out that there were supposed to be three. Two males and one female. So... She also mentioned that there were three back when they attacked the first time. So for all we know, there are several more in this tower that we haven't seen yet. So Good. how tall is the tower? Uh, three not, stories. Yeah, it's not very tall. Oh, okay. So, okay. but we will find out. Uh, until then, we have some emails to get to. Emails. Sweet. I'm preparing my cone of cold for future endeavors. <laughs> I'm preparing my cone of cold for these emails. All right. So yes. our first... only the bad ones. <laughs> 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 Our first email is from Will in Falcon's Hollow. Greetings. Nice. Greetings. Consortium treating you. <laughs> Probably not well. <laughs> I think we were the ones that put him there, so that's our fault. I think actually, I, I believe all three emails today are emails from people that have emailed us before. Oh, nice. Oh. Nice. So, yeah, catching back up with old friends. Nice. Greetings, Fine. fellow adventurers. I bid the gods find you well and continue to keep you safe during these trying times, cultists, golems, and such, as well as COVID. While sure. lumbering away in Falcon's Hollow, I was able to get all caught up with your adventure, or should I say, adventures. Although I certainly missed the main adventure, the Fated Tales, ooh, and he actually put that in there. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Jordan yeah. in sight. <laughs> so, I'm pleased. <laughs> I certainly missed the main adventure, the Fated Tales, ooh, was an exciting side story that gave us another glimpse of Sagira. You all, oh wait, y'all... Did an amazing yeah. job transition from one character to another. And may I say some were certainly creepier than others. Uh, <coughs> Crucible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, which reminds me. I always picture Crucible looking kind of like the Shadow Man from The Princess and the Frog. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, I hadn't really thought of him that way, but I do now. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I love right. it. I love it. I think it's the cane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's be definitely the cane. the cane. All right. Again, excellent job, you guys. And Rick, it was nice to experience some of your homebrewy stuff. It's true. Although I did, uh, at the very least, I stole the map from that from someplace. Uh, I can't remember. It was a Pathfinder Society module. Eh, that's okay. Jordan, I am sorry for picking on your character. Just sort of. <laughs> Please allow me to make amends by congratulating both you and Jessica for joining each other and forming an epic party. May Aww. your adventures be glorious and laden Aww, with loot. Oh, why, thanks. We've done it. We well, are successful. Trust me, there were a lot of obstacles in the way, so it did feel like an adventure path. <laughs> we got a bunch of XP. We got a lot of XP. <laughs> All right. Sudi, I know the dice aren't always on your side, but I am glad your cat-like luck was with you in that epic takedown of Kabek. Oh, and stunningly, you're also my favorite cat folk. Smiley face. Yeah! Thank you. <laughs> Citra. I appreciate that. It, it is weird that my dice have weird thematic like luck where sometimes it's like a really tense fight and my my dice are like, oh now we're gonna gift you with the high numbers. Yeah. <laughs> the dice tell the story, man. The, the dice, dice tell the story, man. And the dice taketh away. And the dice tell the story for sure. Yep. 
Citra, who needs two weapon fighting, right? <laughs> so we had the episode with the well-timed spell a long time ago. I think we could call that second episode with Kabek the one with the well-placed scroll. Heck yeah, it was. Mm. I've been uh, holding on to that one for a while, and I planned on using it on myself, <laughs> but it was just too perfect not to use it on Sudi. Now, if Sudi had failed his frickin' will save, I would have cursed the day and been like, why did I use it on you? Yep. But it all worked out. Because <laughs> no, Sudi would have been like, friends. Really well. Friends, we shouldn't fight. And he would, I just imagine it as he like grabs Masika with one paw, grabs Sitcher with another paw, like leans down like a mama cat and bites onto the back of Hollis's shirt and then flies off with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would have been pretty hilarious, to be fair. A little bit, yeah. All right. Masika, it seemed a bit fishy to me to come across a flying metal-worked ninja fish and his mount in the middle of the desert, but ah. you and Narmer, although not golden, have been a radiating delight. <laughs> nice. Uh, this is a weird this, email. I like this yeah, email. This like email's this good. You get, you, get, you get a gold star. <laughs> Hollis, your background story intrigues me greatly, and I would love to know more of your adventures pre-Osirian. Perhaps a book? Yeah. Oh, I'm n and I'm not one to play a wizard, but your playstyle has led me to look over the class again with renewed interest. Yeah, wizard. Wizard. <laughs> Rick, I truly okay. enjoy your point of view in regards to homebrewing versus an adventure series, the whole coloring in the lines, but using your own colors. Well said. As to praise, well, I keep coming back for more. Thank you. Yeah, you I'm that. glad that you do. And then he ends with a wonderful quote. Stir the world with your skills. Shake the world with your talents. Move the world with your brilliance. Change the world with your genius. Be safe. And until next time. Well, thank you so was much, there, Will. That was an awesome email. That was I a great email. The, I liked question? that a lot. And I laughed a bunch. And that's no, always a good sign. No question. Just lots of praise, which is sometimes okay. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's nice to get a little praise. Every once in a while, I just add in the praise emails. Yep. True. All right. This is the first time I've played a wizard at this level, and it's rad. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you for one point were cursed to never get a wizard past fifth level. Yeah, that's over, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> it helped now. that you came so in at higher than fifth level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that probably helps. That's helped. the trick. All right. Our second email is from Pete. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've placed him before, but I don't, I don't know where we placed him. Pete knows where he's from. Yeah, so Pete, if you could send a reminder next time, that would be great. <laughs> Unfortunately, we really should have made a list of everywhere we, we put people. To. But uh, we that'll didn't. be uh, an assignment for one of us this week. Is to put, I mean, we could look at the page on and that, Pete put his location there. <laughs> me? Why me? <laughs> Rick just did the thing where it's like the one kid that's not paying attention in class. You're going to ask him a question 100% of the time. I just finished episode 116. And as usual, I love how vivid Rick makes the visions from the mask. Thank you. Something I always struggle with when I GM is having two or more key NPCs in a scene at the same time, especially when it's not a scripted piece. I'm nearly done running Fall of Plague Stone, and there is a lot of NPC interaction exposition in one part that I feel I could have done better with. It's a weird dynamic for me because I feel like I'm either hogging the game or I'm just talking to myself. Rick, however, <laughs> does a great job at this while still keeping everyone engaged. Got any tips for running multiple NPCs? Key one, enjoy talking to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's part of the reason why I don't really like having permanent NPC members of parties. You know, like a couple of people brought up a few times whether or not Falto was going to travel with the group and go everywhere with them. And part of that is because you end up like what happens if 
we're talking and Narmer's saying something and then I'm like, and then Falto needs to talk and then Narmer responds back to Falto and then Falto needs to talk again. The beauty of having two NPCs with the group right now is the fact that one of them, I can just say, you don't understand me. And then she <laughs> storms away. So uh, it's usually I'm just making asides directly to Jessica when it's sugar, whereas yeah. you know, Narmer can kind of sure. contribute. Although most of the time Narmer just contributes bad ideas. But Narmer is yes, the but best. Sometimes we can, we can listen to the bad ideas and then pull out a good idea. As far as playing multiple NPCs at the same time is uh, try your best to, to see whether or not the characters, you can find a way to differentiate the characters' voices so that you don't have to constantly say, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this, so-and-so says this. And instead, you can just switch between, I've got this happy and excited voice, you know, versus now I'm talking like this. <laughs> yeah, basically, any time that Azaz and, uh, yeah, Azaz and Kelru are having a conversation with each other. Yeah. Peace, love, peace. <laughs> I imagine these still says it like that. Probably. <laughs> Anybody else got something? Um, I, I would say if you want some practice, this is coming from me being a total noob when I jammed. The first thing I think I ever jammed for our group was uh, Hangman's Noose. Mm. which is a really interesting module. Uh, so you should check that out first off. But it it starts with your party and like a bunch of different NPCs uh, all trapped in this courthouse. And it is, let me tell you, a real pain to try to go through and figure out how to make them all talk and have personalities and moments in the spotlight. So if you're looking for something where you can get a little practice without having to commit to like a huge adventure path or like t taking a, an NPC along with you in, in such a thing, you can play that. That's what, that's what I did. And I learned a, a bunch from doing that and being bad at it. Make your players build really competent PCs for that, because that is a meat grinder. Yeah, and it was it definitely was fun, a meat grinder. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was. It's one of the more interesting, like, kind of unique feeling adventure paths or modules that we'd ran. Not gonna lie, I totally forgot about it until you mentioned it, and then I was like, oh yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it was crazy. I have no advice because I'm real bad at it, and I usually just forget one of them even exists. Especially if it's a PC that's with the party or an NPC that's with the party. Yeah, you have that problem where, like, they just fade into the background until they're needed. You did just remind me of a good tip, though, Jessica, which is put sticky notes with the character with their names up on your GM screen. Because that helps idea. me a lot, just being able to see a name on there going, oh, wait, yeah, that person is standing in the room right now and hasn't really said much. Uh, also have quiet NPCs. Ah, uh, yeah. If you have quieter NPCs, then you can do something like, you know, unhocked only spoke really when spoken to yeah yeah I mean, it helped that he was also kind of lost with everything that was going on around him but i mean i don't really have anything to add except for it when i think of multiple characters in a setting i actually think of like listening to audiobooks uh because some of them you know they don't have multiple characters it's it's one character going back and forth between them so sometimes you can get some like tricks you know of how to do different voices and whatnot based on listening to audiobooks um my personal favorite is jim dale who did the harry potter series because it was absolutely fantastic how he did so many different uh iterations of characters and it was always just a a minor uh change for some of them but you automatically knew which character was which and i i think that helps listen to some audiobooks heather you got anything nope i don't GM, so I got nothing. All right. Well, then he continues with, A sorcerer with the Star Soul Bloodline is on my shortlist for my next one EPC, though I'll probably build a dozen characters between now and then. I'm not the only one who does that, right? 
No, no, you nope. are not. No, Je- <laughs> Jess is famous for the number of iterations it takes her to get a final character. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but Heather, don't you keep a journal of character ideas? Yeah, but those are for specific adventure paths. They usually don't change very much for the story. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah so Heather, Heather is the planner where she knows exactly what character that she'd play for every adventure path. And Jessica is the... <laughs> 20 different iterations before she lands try on a one. Thing. I don't know. Think of a new cool thing before the game starts. Try that instead. Yeah. Buy a mini. Decide that actually you have a different idea, but like make a different character, order a different mini, find a really cool piece of art. Think maybe I could make a character based on that piece of art and then end up somewhere. So eventually, yeah, most of the time, I, I kind of don't worry about Jessica's character until I've literally pulled the trigger and started the campaign. I'm like, now you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Unless she decides to change her character in like book three, like with Legacy. <laughs> that was because I didn't she, like my build. Yeah, she retrained that, she that character. That, yeah, that was yeah. retraining. Yeah, that was a retraining. That was a whole new character. That was trying to do a Oracle Barbarian multi-class as your first AP character probably wasn't a good move. And also I didn't like how the Barbarian worked in 1E, so... He ends with a P.S. Narmer is cool, but Falto is still my favorite NPC. It was sealed oh, in the one with Falto's recap. Everyone loves Falto. Oh. <laughs> All right. And we have one last email uh, from Mike from the UK. Uh, I guess is an island that everyone assumes is always raining. Drenchport in the shackles? <laughs> Drenchport cool. would work. Drenchport works. There were pirates from there, too. That makes sense. I actually yeah. think it only rained one day when we were there. Yeah, well, that's a very small sample. Yeah, that was that was one week out of the entire year. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny that everybody was like, oh, it's going to be raining the whole time. And then it was actually like bright and sunny. Like we walked around here. Yeah. And then everyone there complained about how hot, how hot it was because it was like 80 degrees. I know. And we were like, this is amazing. Yep. <laughs> anyway, he says, hi, Pathfinderers. Pathfinderers. That's a new one. (laughs) I like it. Pathfinderers. When y'all were discussing dream Pathfinder classes, someone brought up taming and training monsters, and this rang a bell with my random trawlings of Pathfinder classes. Voila, the monster trainer. And he adds a link to third party classes, Samurai Sheepdog Monster Trainer. I took a look at it. And it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of a summoner, like it's a six level caster kind of class but yeah you you get trainer bonuses you get favored enemy kind of like a ranger you get to like when you gain a new trainer level you can improve one of the monsters that you've obtained using like kind of a point by system Hmm. yeah because he says all you need to do is put the pokemon theme tune on constant loop and you're good to go keep on venturing (laughs) but I think it would be a selling point for Jessica because it actually gets a monster empathy that they can apply to any monster they have as their favorite enemy oh man (laughs) oh nice that's pretty cool so you just make make them friends so that they come adventure with you yep so that's it for our email interesting class those third party publishers over there at what was that Samurai Sheepdog yep it's also an interesting name (laughs) I think it's great all right, so from here on, I guess it's time to cast a deity. Oh yeah, ba, boy. Ba, ba. Everyone's shall I roll? favorite part? I don't know. I mean, it's my favorite part, but I'm, <laughs> I'm the weird movie buff. I was going to say, you're actually like good at it. I always have a hard time finding people. It depends. I, depends I on what we're casting. I used to spend, and honestly probably still do spend, way too much time just surfing on IMDb, because I like to know what things people have been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the key. All right, Rach, I guess if you'll bounce me a D12. D12. BA7. I feel like we need Ross here for this one, too. Oh. We really just need Ross here. 
Oh. I mean, I, I felt that way a lot. But what, <laughs> we're what, not against Who are we casting Rossi. and why is it Ross's favorite deity? So for today, we're going to cast Milani, the Everbloom. Oh, that is such a Ross class too, or a Ross deity too. Oh. Milani is the patron mother of those who war against oppression, rewarding those who are willing to sacrifice their lives and use whatever tools are available to fight for those who cannot defend themselves, especially people who have been captured or enslaved. Throughout Galarian, Milani is known as the Everbloom, as the symbol of her church is a beautiful rose growing from blood-soaked soil. Milani's church is organized into independent clandestine cells of freedom fighters rather than into traditional structures. Clerics of Milani often owe their work to subtle business organizations cleverly designed as fronts to cover their efforts to cleanse a reason of oppressors and liberate those who have been enslaved or victimized. As subtle tell to other Melanites? Melanites? Maybe it's Melanites. Melanites of the structure's true intent. These buildings usually feature a small rose garden or other rose iconography. But yeah, Milani the Everbloom. Does it describe like what she looks like or anything? Uh, Specifically here, no, although she is always depicted as a half-elven woman with silver silver white hair. Huh. Okay. I know mine. I already know mine, so. All right. I'm going to throw out there the, uh, the gender bend option, which would be... Henry Cavill in his Witcher wig. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I'm not going with that one. I don't think Henry Cavill's been cast for anything. We're saving that one, I'm sure, for somebody. I don't know oh, who. I'll but... pick him for something. Don't worry. Oh, he's going to get picked for sure. Any deity they describe as having a jaw that can cut glass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm, I have two, but I always have two. No. I, I'm no. only picking one. I'm only picking one. I'm going to go with Emma Thompson because she I've seen her in so many different roles, but I've seen her play motherly, but I've also seen her play fierce and she can pull off pretty much any look. I think I'm immediately going to like Nanny McPhee, honestly, (laughs) but um, just because she, she, you know, was taking care of the kids in that movie and, and I don't know. It just made me think kind of the motherly aspect, but then I also thought of, um, Love Actually, mm. you know, she's like the perfect mom in that. So I don't know. I just, I love Emma Thompson. I think she encapsulates everything. So hmm. I'm going to go with Emma Thompson. She is a great actress. She is amazing. I love her. Yay, Professor Trelawney. Should I go next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to go, go for, for what I feel is the obvious option, but doesn't make it any less amazing, which is the Breaker of Chains herself, because Amelia Clark, of course, played Daenerys Targaryen. Uh, she can uh-huh. pull off a very light, uh, light-haired look, particularly well. <laughs> She's very feisty and rebellious, uh, both uh, as an actress herself and plays the character type very well. She was Sarah Connor, the leader of the. I don't know if you should go with that one because she was a really bad Sarah Connor. She, she wasn't the worst part of that movie. Thank you. No, <laughs> no, no, no definitely not was the worst, worst part of that, that movie. Uh, there was a lot of Unfortunately, there movie. was a lot of. Also, it's really hard to to step into the shoes of uh, Linda Hamilton as far as trying to measure up to that but uh Daenerys Targaryen Amelia Clark come on how can you go wrong with that all right Jessica I got no feedback on that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Kiera Knightley from the Pirates movies didn't because she, she was awesome I picked her for Shalin, didn't I yeah but I don't I think don't she won that? she didn't win that she was tied with Ava Green for oh for Desna that they who won somebody has to win yeah her and Ava Green had a tie 
Well, we can give that to Ava Green so that Kira Knightley can have a chance at a second role. Yes, chance of redemption. Yeah, because all I see is like rebellion and being smart and able to get the things you need to help the people you care about. Like, that's totally what she did in that movie. Also, she could totally be a half elf. Can I also point out that she's freaking Elizabeth Bennett? Yeah, she's Elizabeth Bennett. She's uh, that archer in that weird King Arthur movie. Guinevere? Guinevere. It's weird that (laughs) she's... So she definitely has the athleticism, you know, that that kind of a person would require. And the feisty. Yeah, she's very feisty. I like it. I'm going to go with somebody that uh, I have seen in a movie recently, and I think she'd be perfect for this. And it is Margot Robbie. You stole mine! Oh, really? Oh, I didn't mean to. Um, But yeah, yeah. Margot Robbie in Birds of Prey is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Ball Um, of Chaos. Like, probably one of the best DC movies, like, up there with, like, Wonder Woman for me. I also, so. I'm also with Margot Robbie, so, yeah. So I mean, I could... Jordan and I team Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah, boy. I can be persuaded. <laughs> yeah. Margot Robbie's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we got some decent choices up for you. As always, go on to the, the Reddit. Vote for your choice. Uh, the Mother of Dragons. Uh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, we've got Jess converted to Margot Robbie. Yeah, Jess. Three, Margot three out of five for, Find the Path crew agree. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Well, maybe a majority here. It is not a majority of my heart. I'm salty <laughs> that she didn't win the last time I put her up for the halfling deity. So uh, I'm back. <laughs> Margot Robbie train. It's hard, it's hard to cover a halfling. Great. She's like five foot six. All of the people we nominated were a little tall for a halfling. <laughs> I nominated a child. are like two feet tall. That's true. <laughs> Three feet usually, but yeah. Maisie Williams is a lot taller than a halfling. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's yes. true. <laughs> anyway, uh, unrelated to what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, Maisie Williams is pretty short though, so. Yeah. Not anymore. I think she still is. <laughs> now I want to know how Goodness. tall she is. I'm going to go with five six. Nope, five one. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. She's <laughs> taller than actors. She, she always. She itty bitty. She always wears really tall shoes that's, though. That's funny because that means that she's only an inch shorter than Amelia Clark, who's only five two. Because <laughs> she's tiny. Wow. Yeah, Amelia Clark's very short. Yeah. All right, well, vote Margot Robbie. Yeah, <laughs> we will see you guys next time for the epic conclusion of the tower fight in Mummy's Mask. We we and don't see what actually happens know to Sudi with this trap that Citra definitely didn't see. I know. I'm so sorry. It looked clear. I rolled a it's five. I find bad. it funny that you think that Sudi's the only one in danger. He's Uh-oh. going to bear that. <laughs> foreshadowing. <laughs> We need to cast Vin Diesel. For what? I've tried to I've, cast Vin we, Diesel. Yeah, something. Something. He's brought up for something. I like Vin Diesel. I think he's funny. So. Oh, he's I, great. And he's a super nerd. Well, yeah. So he can be a jerk, but like, whatever. Oh, Did I yeah. try to I'll cast him out. for Gorham? I think so. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Yep. Oh, we've done it again. We're just talking. We're just talking. Yes. I like casting Goodbye, things. Pathfolk. This is fun. All right. Bye, Pathfolk. I'll we will see you. I'll just take the best parts. Next time. Bye. Good luck, Bye, everyone. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.